Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning. Great to have you. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, my name is John Adams, one of the pastors here at the Vine, and we have had the privilege of going through the book of Romans with you. Today we're going to pause for a little while. We're going to stop our series at the end of Romans 2. Aw, we've loved it. It's been amazing. And then we're going to pick up as we look to Easter out of the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to come back to Romans next year. So that's the plan. And uh, we are uh, uh, diving in and, uh, as we come to the end of uh, Romans 2, as I've said, And we're going to see here today that the Jewish people were really struggling with kind of making their faith about externals. They they were um, focused on what they could do. And they were thinking, you know, I'm in a Jewish family. I'm born in a family that looks to the living God. And they thought way too much of even their heritage. Or they thought too much of the For example, the the sacrament of circumcision, which was a covenant family sign that pointed to their need for a savior. Or they felt like they could keep the law of God, but they were deceived. (laughs) They had lost focus on the thing that really mattered, the person that really mattered, the Messiah to whom they looked to for rescue. And so the Jewish leaders uh, were smug about their faith and they compared themselves to the, the Gentiles. Remember, Gentiles was a name for all the nations around them, really the non-Jewish people. And they thought, hey, we're, we're circumcised. Our family is circumcised. We're holy. We're set apart. We're special. And they were thinking this because of what they did. And, and, and all of these gifts, the, these, um, you know, circumcision, Jewish heritage, the law of God were all good gifts. But they focused on the outside and not their hearts. Well, you know, we can do that today in our life. It's easy for us to fall into a religious kind of mindset. And that's when we begin to look on, look at kind of, What matters on the outside more than the inside? For example, in our Christian family, it's a huge advantage. We're going to have a baptism of Andrew and Tara's daughter, Juniper, in just a little while. It's called the sacrament of of baptism. And we believe in two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, which a sacrament simply means a, a sign or a seal that points to as our covenant family for our need for Jesus. And so as we look back to Jesus as our Savior and Lord, and we, we are so honored to have this sacrament of baptism, or we're so honored to get the word of God, or we're so blessed that we can be together. Did you know this is a gift? This is not a checkoff. This is a gift from God that we can come together because it all points to our need for a Savior. Are you kind of focused on your need for a Savior? And today we're going to see from this passage that our hope 
is in Jesus alone who transforms our hearts. And so let's look at our passage from Romans chapter 2 and ask God to change our hearts, to change us from within and cause us to look to our need for a great Savior who alone gives hope. This is uh, Romans 2, beginning in verse 25. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision. Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Our hope is in Jesus, who alone transforms hearts. And so today, the first thing we're going to see of this is that our hope is not in religious signs. Uh, So all the way back in Genesis chapter 17, the first book in the Bible, we know that God had instructed Abraham to apply the sign of his covenant of grace. And it was called circumcision, which the sign was uh, of a covenant family that looked forward to the Messiah, the Savior, as we look back to our Savior and apply covenant signs. And Abraham and his whole family and the Jewish people would apply the covenant sign at eight days old to every male child. And this sign was a physical marker, a bloody sign that pointed to the ultimate blood that would be shed on their behalf in Christ Jesus the Lord. This sign did not save the people of God of the Old Testament, but it simply pointed forward to the Savior of the world. And we know it to be Jesus who would come and who would die on the cross, be raised from the dead. We sang it this morning. We're looking forward to it in Easter of Jesus alone, the resurrected Lord who defeats sin and helps us in this life and gives us hope in the next life. And so, so um, the problem, again, though, was, was that, that um, God's people got off track just thinking too focused on what they could do, whether it was circumcision again, or keeping laws, or being Jewish as their heritage and their family. So, so their hope and confidence became about what they could do, and that's just not life-giving. Have you ever felt that? If See, if you're striving today for, in ways for kind of whatever it's... <laughs> church attendance or trying to read your Bible more or pray or apply, uh, be a good person, do good ministry, uh, and even uh, apply the sacraments of Lord's Supper regularly or as today we're going to celebrate baptism. All these things are good, but yet they're not life-giving when we focus on them. 
And so God wants us to, to think about what does the sign point to? And what does the things that we come together to hear the word of God points to and reveals to us our need for our Savior and his hope? Romans 2.25, Paul writes, For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Basically, if you're doing this to kind of get your merit applying these signs and seals, like, I mean, even today, Andrew and Tara, if they're just doing it because they want to do a ritual, it's valueless. But if they're doing it with a hope and prayer together as a church family, for example, to say, we want our daughter Juniper to know Jesus with all our hearts. That's what we're pointing to. And so Old Testament people had made circumcision too, too important, if you will. They had looked to the rite or the ritual as their savior and not the true savior. So when God's people back in the Old Testament had finished uh, their desert wandering, you remember that God gave them some great scripture and one of them was teaching them that, that their faith was faith of their heart. It was started in the inside of them, not the outside. Deuteronomy 10, 16 says this, Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. You see, God instructs his people that faith in him is a matter of the internal, the heart issue, not a matter of external rituals or even good sacraments. It's not just applying these things and doing something like this. It's literally about the spiritual cutting of the heart that God himself will do as he pours out his Holy Spirit into hearts and he removes more and more sin. But instead of listening to God and his word, the religious leaders made faith about things that they could see and apply. Does that sound familiar? We do this too. Because we want, like them, at times spiritual credit. We want to say, hey, I'm doing pretty well compared to this person. Or I've got to do something. And we're always thinking that way. But the gospel is radically different from what we would expect Verse 26, Paul continues this argument where he says, So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and the circumcision but break the law. Again, the, the Jewish leaders believed that their circumcision somehow was kind of guaranteed their salvation. And because of that, they were appalled at this statement. They would have been just like, this is crazy, Paul. You can't say that. The uncircumcised, the Gentiles, these people who are not Jewish, who are not following these rituals, how could they be accepted by you, Lord? And that's the very point. God's saying, I accept people who come humbly, 
who come with a broken and contrite spirit, who realize that faith is a matter of the heart. It's not just a matter of what you earn or accomplish or do. Stop your striving. Stop all of your your unnecessary, even good doing, if you're doing it in your strength. And trust me and my work, God is saying to us. And so in verse 28... Paul continues. He says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. Back in verse 27, again, he says that the physically uncircumcised who keep God's law would condemn the Jewish people who were circumcised. And here he states emphatically, that a Jew is not a Jew, spiritually speaking, just because they have Hebrew parents. The spiritual value of circumcision is that not just about a physical cutting away of the flesh, it points to their need for transformation of their heart by a savior. And you know, that's what we need. We don't need just outward faith or rule-keeping or one more thing to do. We need Christ and Him alone. We need a Savior. Are we realizing that? Are we humbling ourselves in the presence of God? You see, our hope is in Jesus alone who transforms the hearts. And it's not in religious signs. But secondly, we see this, that Jesus alone gives this hope. Hope. Verse 29 states the, the heart of the argument here for Paul in this passage. It says this, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. It's not about your outward practices. Circumcision for the Old Testament people, for the New Testament people, Lord's Supper, baptism, we're doing these today. They're important, but they all are just big signposts, billboards, if you will, that say with almost with flashing, <laughs> flashing billboards, you and I need a Savior. We need Jesus. You see, verse 29 says it's, it's a matter of the heart. It's, it's about our heart desires changing. Are your affections changing? Are you growing and longing more for him and his promotion of his name? Or are you focused on your stuff, your name or your abilities? You see, when we receive Jesus, he breathes new life in us. He regenerates our hearts. He gives us new affections. And we don't have to strive anymore. Isn't that good news? We can rest, as we read earlier in, from Matthew 11 in our service. We can rest in Jesus' work alone. You know, and how wonderful this truth is. And it causes us... is. We say around here a lot to flourish in God's grace. It's his work. It's not about you and doing 
and in your abilities and your efforts. It's about him. So, you know, years ago, I read a, a, a great sermon by a Scottish preacher named Thomas Chalmers. And he wrote a sermon called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And I just want to summarize what that sermon's all about. I'd encourage you to go look, it, look that up and read it. But it describes how does our heart change. And he talks about, or how is our heart, the foreskin of our heart cut to the core and changed. And he describes that it's not about any willpower. It's not about any work of man because sin has a stranglehold on our heart and we can't get at it. But when the Holy Spirit, when we by faith receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit is poured out into our hearts and he comes in in such a fashion that he in essence flushes out more and more the power of sin that dominates our hearts. I love that picture. And he talks about how there's a more compelling joy that comes, a more compelling, life-giving, superior pleasure, Christ, by the power of his spirit who comes and dwells in our hearts, filling us with himself and flushing out more and more our sin. Now, now think about a, an engine. Now, these are kind of old engines, and, and, and I'm not much of a mechanic, so go with me with this for a second, okay? Uh, apparently, with old engines, you have to do a flush because it, the engine gets gunked up. And, and, uh, and so our hearts physically get gunk in them. It's the gunk of sin. And we need the Holy Spirit to be poured out more and more and more in our hearts and our lives to flush out sin. And we know at regeneration, he comes and he does a great work. And that's primarily what this passage is talking about. But we today, many of us who know Christ, who have the Holy Spirit in fullness, we need this more and more and more. You see, uh, here in uh, verse 29, Paul goes on to say, it's by the Spirit, not by the letter of the law, that, <laughs> that we need his work. The letter is technically talking about the law of the Old Testament and, generally, or, and then generally speaking about the word of God today. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, gives us life, we know, for those who trust in him and his word. When Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, he leaves his followers with the Holy Spirit. He pours out the Holy Spirit into our hearts with a fullness of himself. And when we receive Jesus, he is with us and will never leave nor forsake us. The Old Testament taught about the Holy Spirit coming in that way uh, in Ezekiel 36, where it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. 
In the New Testament, Paul writes this about the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3, 6. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, Paul calls the law minus the Spirit the letter. Um, I love a sermon John Piper wrote about this passage, and he compares the law minus the Spirit and the law plus the Spirit. And I thought he said it very well, but he, so here's what he wrote. The law minus the Spirit, one, is external religious ritual like circumcision or even like Lord's Supper, baptism. Two, the need for the praise of man to keep you going. Three, the law minus the Spirit is death because the law becomes like mere letter and that kills us. It doesn't give us life that we're seeking. But the law plus the Spirit gives us an internal circumcision rending of the heart to satisfaction in the praise of God, no matter whether people give us approval or not. Three, it gives us true life, both now and forever, because the Spirit unites us to God in Christ's love. You see, if you're not a Christ follower and you lack the spiritual ability to really have this true hope the Bible is talking about, and you're on your own, and you don't have the Holy Spirit. And so all you can do is external work, and you've got to be exhausted, aren't you? And if you're at that place, and you're not finding freedom from your fears and from your struggles, and you're tired of striving, please pause today if you don't know Christ. And simply welcome him as your Savior and your Lord. But if you are a Christ follower, and praise God, you have a fullness of the Holy Spirit. He's with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This happens at conversion. And this is evidence of God's work in your life to justify and make you right before him, the Holy Spirit's presence. Okay, that's what this passage is talking about, but don't be fooled. Due to our sin, we can operate without the Holy Spirit's filling, without him controlling us. He can dwell in us, but he doesn't just change us via osmosis, so to speak. He changes people who more and more say, God, I die to my sin, Holy Spirit, Fill me with yourself. Take control of my life. Change me. Give me purpose. And cause me to flourish in your amazing grace. You see, if you're operating without the Holy Spirit, whether you're a believer or not, you don't have to live that way anymore. You can get hope. And you can face some of the hardest circumstances. It doesn't mean your situations change. Your heart changes as you trust the Holy Spirit to apply his wonderful word. And that's life-giving. Life-giving. It's a hope-filled life in a way, a way that God works in people who simply say, God, I need you. I need you. You are the Savior alone. I need your work. Come change my heart.
You see, our hope is not in we and our children or a Christian heritage or taking the sacraments of the church, as we've said. God gives us these family covenant signs that point to our need for the real hope, the true Savior, Jesus. And as the Holy Spirit applies Jesus' work in our life, this is what happens to every believer. We bear what the Bible says, fruit. You can look at that at Galatians 5, and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Are, are you growing in these things? You see, if, if you're not growing in these things, the reality is you are not relying on God and his work. You're not trusting the Holy Spirit. Ask him today to fill you, to control you, to change your heart, that you would have hope. He's not doing this. So you have to do one more thing. He wants to set your heart more and more free as you believe in him. You see, when we, when we realize we can never get enough, for example, praises of people or whatever we're seeking in our life, you know, enough stuff, enough control, whatever it is, that kind of life leads to despair. Or it just leads to a person who's checked out or distanced. But a person who humbles himself in the sight of the Lord and says, God, my heart desperately needs a savior. God is so willing and ready to work in someone who comes in just simple faith and humble obedience. May we respond today welcoming Jesus and him alone because our hope is in Jesus who transforms hearts. It's not about the signs. It's not about the externals. It's about him. May he be glorified and fill us with hope. As we come to this sacrament, one of two sacraments, signs and seals that point to our need for a savior, today I want to have you pause and reflect on this little phrase, and it's this, Holy Spirit, flush out my sin and pour your hope into my heart. Let's come to the Lord and do the work of relying on him as we repent and believe and joyfully obey. Let's pray together. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.